Hey guys, my name is Pastor Ron. So glad that you tuned in to the podcast of Allentown Fellowship Church. Each week we're going to endeavor just to walk through the Bible book by book and then give you some truths that you can apply to your life. So welcome to the AFC podcast. Trust and pray that God's word today will be a blessing to you. All right, good morning. Welcome to Allentown Fellowship Church. Pray you guys are doing well. We are continuing in our study of the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 21. And as Mark is giving a, a quick overview of the life of Christ, the message that he is emphasizing, and really the message that Christ emphasizes in all the Gospels, is that he is proclaiming the good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. He is proclaiming the way mankind can be made right with God because of our sin, because of our separation from God. God, in maintaining his justice and his righteousness, takes care of our atonement through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. So, as, as we go into Mark, um, keep, keep a couple of things in mind. They are going to miss, as many people do today, the purpose of why Jesus came. We're going to see that, that the fame of Christ is going to spread. Jesus is healing people, and it's going to attract crowds. And you will see that, that the primary message of Christ, the primary purpose of Christ was not to come and give physical healing was not to come to give you a better job, to get you the promotion, to, to make life better here and now on this earth. And in the first century when Christ came, many were looking not only for personal satisfaction in their own life and things to work out, but they were also looking for a political king to come and get Rome off of their back. They totally missed that Jesus came with, with a message that was far more important than the temporal things of life. It was an eternal message. It was a message of getting right with the Holy God. And even as Christ begins to heal, you'll see people missing that point and just wanting to follow Christ for what they can get out of Christ. And it's, it's amazing how that same, there's a parallel even in our day today, even in 2020, where people are looking to add God to their life so that their life might get better. And a lot of times, again, I, I hear it in, in this way, you know, I, I, I've been going to church and then God al allowed this to happen. I've been doing this and then God allowed this to happen. A, a total misunderstanding of the gospel, a total misunderstanding of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. We don't follow Christ for what we can get out of Christ. We follow Christ because of what God gave us through Christ, salvation. And how you view that, how you view that will really determine how you live your life and the expectations you have or the expectations you perhaps put on God that should not even be put on God. So as we move into this gospel account, let's start at verse 21. And when they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching and they were astonished at his teaching 
for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. We talked about this a little bit before, how the scribes would give their commentary and their opinion on what they thought the scriptures and the Torah meant. But when Jesus taught, it, it wasn't that Jesus was teaching about God. But Jesus was speaking as if he was speaking for God. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute, this is a little different. See, all, all I can do as a pastor is... Is, is to speak about God based on his revealed word. And this is what the scribes would do. Jesus comes along and he begins to speak with a different type of authority. It's almost as if he's speaking like he is God. And that's what they caught in the way he spoke. Remember when you opened the scroll Isaiah and you read that passage and he said, in your hearing, this is fulfilled. So, we see here in the text that they're astonished at his teaching. He taught as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now this is not the man crying that out. This is the demon that is possessing the man. This is a very interesting encounter that happens here. Here you have a demon-possessed man recognizing who Jesus really is. The demon knew that Jesus was not just a rabbi. He was not just the son of Mary. He was not just another teacher. Notice how the demon addresses Jesus Christ through this man. Immediately there was, in 23 again, a man with an unclean spirit. He says, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? So he identifies him as everyone else would have known him, Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you really are. You're not just Jesus of Nazareth. Did you catch that? Look, the second title that the unclean spirit says, the Holy One of God. See, the reality, folks, is that the, the satanic world exists. Demons are real. And you got to understand, when Jesus stepped on earth with his mission of the gospel, he was in a cosmic battle. There was a spiritual battle going on between God, a holy God, and a whole satanic world. you got to keep that in mind. You, you see little glimpses of this throughout the earthly life of Jesus because these demons are coming at him understanding who he is. That this is not just about another teacher. This is God in the flesh who is working his way to a cross where he's going to defeat the power of sin in the life of mankind. There's another whole big war going on behind the scenes here. And we get little glimpses of it when we see episodes like this. Notice what happens. He asks the question, have you come to destroy us? Wow. Why would the demon be asking that of Jesus? See, he recognizes he's a holy God. He recognizes that God is all-powerful. And the demon is basically saying, wait, are, are you coming to like wipe us out for good now? Like, Hold on a minute. See, there's a battle going on. Look at Jesus' response. 
But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. You know what that literally means? Jesus said, shut up. That's what it literally means. Go get your Greek Bible, look it up. That's what it means. Now you got a picture. Jesus is there. He's preaching. Everybody is astonished at his teaching because he's teaching with authority. This is God in the flesh now speaking to them. These, these scribes don't realize that yet. But Satan does. Satan does. And Satan speaks up right in the midst of the crowd. What are you here to destroy us? And Jesus is like, shut up. <laughs> I love that. You're not going to get me off a of mission here. Shut up, Satan. But he, he goes beyond that. Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent. Come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice. Can you imagine if you're in the synagogue watching this? Like, what? What, what in the world is going on here? The spirit cries with a loud voice, convulsing him, 27, and they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? They're trying to process, like, what is going on here? A new teaching with authority. Not only is this some new stuff that Jesus is telling us, but he's, he's, he's doing it with authority. In other words, what he's saying is true. How do we know? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. This is not your ordinary rabbi. Even demons obey him. Now, you, you got to imagine people witnessing this for the first time. So look what happens in 28. And at once... His fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Now the question is why? Why did his fame spread? Did his brain spring? <laughs> did his fame spread because come and listen to the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, who's coming to take away your sins? That's not why his fame spread. His fame, I can't say it. His fame. His fame spread because what did he just do? He cast out a demon. And there's something about his teaching that just pierces our heart, not like the other scribes. So his fame is spreading all throughout the region. Now you're going to see crowds of people coming. Look at verse 29. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Remember the ones he had called to be his disciples. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. Now you have to understand, back in this time, the ancient Near East, the Jewish people looked at fever as a judgment from God. They didn't look at uh, you having a fever as, well, you have an infection, that's why you have a fever. They looked at a fever as being an illness in and of itself. And they connected that fever to God's judgment on you. Okay? You have a fever because you're in sin and God is judging you. This is crucial to understand. It's so important to understand historical context of what's going on. It just opens up God's word. Here's the other thing about a fever. They believe that only God, only God can cure you of that fever. Why? Because God's the one who gave it to you. 
That's what the Jewish mindset was. Now keep that in mind as we read this. Look at verse 30. Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. And immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. What's going through their mind? Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Literally, the fever forsook her. The, to now some argue it was, it was given to her by a demon or whatever. It was a supernatural thing. I, okay, the point is, Jesus comes, lifts her up, and the fever left her. And she began to serve him. What's going through their mind? Now remember, this is not done in the synagogue. This is done in front of his disciples. Simon, Andrew, right? What's going through their mind? Oh my goodness. Did he just do that? Now remember, I believe they were in the synagogue and would have saw what happened in the, with the demon. Okay? What's going through their mind? Are they beginning to try to unravel in their thinking, who is this? See, when Jesus said, come follow me, I think in some way their understanding of that call was the rabbi wants us to be one of his learners, one of his disciples. They don't have the big picture yet. They're starting to get that Jesus is more than just a rabbi. Look at verse 32. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Wow. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. There he goes. Look, Jesus healing people. Jesus came to heal people. Well, okay. And cast out many demons. Yes, out of his compassion, he did. And he would not permit the demons to speak. Notice that. These people are coming with illnesses, and some of them are possessed with demons. And he's just casting them out. And telling the demons what? Shut up. Don't say anything. Why is Jesus telling the demons not to disclose who he is when they know he's the Holy One of God? That's interesting. He's saying, shut up. Don't say anything. Now, this is going to be, this is going to be revealed on Jesus' timeline. Jesus doesn't need the demons to authenticate who he is. He will reveal who he is in his timeline, through his teachings, and as he is working its way to the cross. It just shows the authority that Jesus has. Even though Satan is the god of this world, even though that there are, are demons ruling and reigning in high places, you know, we learn that in the New Testament. The weapons of all warfare are not carnal. They are spiritual. We are fighting against principalities in high places. Same thing was going on in Jesus' time. But now, what's happening? At this point in time, Jesus comes on planet Earth as the incarnate Son of God in the flesh, 100% flesh, 100% God in the flesh, and for those three and a half years, does what to the kingdom of Satan? Everybody, shut up. <laughs> this might be your playground. I'm here right now because I'm on mission. Wow. See, you got to understand this. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God is at hand, who was among them? King Jesus. You know, it, it, I, I, I get, I get, get this picture. It's kind of like you know the, the the owner of a business, right? This is a bad analogy, but like the owner of a business. Think about the owner of a business, and everybody's doing everything they want to do. 
stuff they're not supposed to be doing, you know, taking extra lunch breaks, outside smoking, they're supposed to be over here, all this kind of, and then the owner of the business pulls up in the parking lot. This used to happen when I used to work for a certain company, I'm not going to say. And you would hear over the PA, so-and-so's in the hall, uh, so-and-so just pulled up. I'm not going to say the name because then you would know the company. Let's just call him John Doe. John Doe just put up in the parking lot. You would see everybody in that company like roaches. Just everybody like fixing, sweeping. All of a sudden, the guy is putting all the milk the way it should go. All of a sudden, everybody's wiping the counters. I'm just looking at this like, wow. Like, why don't you just do what you were doing? <laughs> right? And then within about a couple of minutes, the owner come walking in, inspecting everything. There's a sense of authority. Like, this guy has the authority. He owns the company. And he can come in and do what? Point at any one of us and say, what are you doing? How come you're not doing this? Or you could say you're fired. Jesus is king, Lord of lords. And when he hit earth as a man who was fully God, all of hell knew it. And they start calling him out. Wait, wait, we know who you are. And Jesus is like, shut up. Guys, we are still involved in this spiritual battle today. We know that Christ has defeated Satan. Look at the cross, the resurrection. But God is allowing and allows Satan to still reign. And he says he's the God of this world. It doesn't mean that, 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 that God's any less powerful. God is allowing small g, God, Satan, to reign. And he uses his demons and his fallen angels to do his bidding. But we ought to take comfort in knowing that we're children of the king. And Satan can't do with us what he wants to. We belong to Jesus Christ. But let's get back into it. So, Jesus Christ heals. The fever is gone. 32, now you have all these people coming who are oppressed. Jesus is healing. He healed many who were sick, verse 34, with various diseases and cast out many demons. He would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Look at verse 35. And rising early in the morning while it was still dark. I love that. Think about what just happened the day before. Really, remember all this healing he did kind of happened that evening, remember? Because this is probably the Sabbath. You can't do any work until the end of the Sabbath. Now they bring all these people to him to heal. Then early in the morning, while it was still dark. So that's pretty early. Look what Jesus did in the midst of all this ministry. He departed and went out to be, went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. Man, if that doesn't speak to the need for true disciples, followers of Christ to have a prayer life, nothing does. Jesus Christ himself, who is the Holy One, Son of God, throughout his ministry, stole away from all the activity to get with his Father. Why? Because Jesus was doing these things, but there was still a dependence on the Father. Remember, he was still 100% flesh and 100% divine. But he did these things, the Bible says, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't throw the disciplines out of praying to the Father, depending on the Father's wisdom, the Father's Holy Spirit on the inside of him. And I think it's a lesson for us who say that we are Christians. Like, how's your prayer life? 
yeah, no, I need to pray more. Well, the, how are you getting your wisdom and your strength to do what you do? That only comes from God. That, that's something that God has to give you, and God gives it to you through the means of prayer and through the means of his word. Here we see Jesus doing that, the need for spiritual refreshing. Look at 36. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. Now, why do you think they're looking for him? Look at 37. Did they want to pray with him? Nope. 37. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Wow. I can so relate to that. You've been healing people all night long. You get up early to refresh. Now people find you for what? So you can keep doing ministry. Ministry can be exhausting because the needs never go away. I say it this way. The soup line is never empty. And there's times when even as you're ministering and serving God, you've got to put the ladle, ladle, the ladle, and the big bowl of soup, and you've got to walk away. And you've got to get with God. You can't just keep serving, serving, serving. You've got to be refreshed. That's why I'm so happy Allentown Fellowship is sending me to Hawaii for a seven-day retreat. Can I get an amen? Maybe not. Okay, so, 37. Everyone is looking for you. Now, please catch this. This is important. 38. And Jesus said to them, let us go to the next towns. But wait, wait, Jesus, but, but there's more needs. There's more healing. There's more people with demons. We got one guy jumping up and down in there looking like crazy. Like, we know he possessed. Come on, Lord, you got to help us. Jesus says, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. Please catch this, folks. For that is why I came. The primary mission of Christ was to preach the gospel, not give physical healing. Now, why, why am I emphasizing this? Well, one, it's a call out to those charlatans who are on the airwaves telling you to send your money in that you might receive a healing from God. That is heretical and not from the word of God. There are people who are purporting to speak for Christ in the name of having healing ministries where you send your money in and we'll pray over it so that you might receive your healing. Interesting, I see Jesus saying here, this is why I came, that I might preach the gospel. That's why I came. Now, does that mean Jesus Christ, God, cannot heal today? Of course God can still heal today. Does that mean we should not be praying for physical healing? No, you should pray for physical healing. We, we covered that in James, right? If any sick among you, call for the elders. But when you see people exploiting the healing of people in the name of Christ, that's not of God. Jesus came, and although he healed people physically along the way, the primary purpose was to preach the gospel. And you know what? Think about it. It makes sense, right? Someone gets physically healed and they die without Christ. What, so what did that profit? We can say more about that, but let's keep going for now. So Jesus is saying, no, we have to move on. Let's keep going. If I can get my thing to open back up again. Okay. So. 37, everybody's looking for you. Nope, that's not why I came. 39, and he went throughout all Galilee doing what? Preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. You see this side-by-side, -side, casting out demons, healing while he's preaching. 
Here's what you can't miss. Oftentimes when he healed or when he cast out demons, it was to authenticate he had the authority to forgive sins. Don't miss that connection. Don't miss that connection. So when they dropped the man in front of him who was a paralytic, what does he say? He says, your sins are forgiven. And they look at him like, what? Hold on, I know you did not just say your sins are forgiven. Because that means you're God. And Jesus was like, yeah, I knew you were going to go there. Now watch this. So that you might know I have the power to forgive sins like I just did for this guy. Now watch this. Pick up your bed and walk. Then he healed him. You see, Jesus connects the physical healing to authenticate he is God in the flesh and has the power not only to physically heal, but even more importantly, spiritually heal which was going to come through his death, his atonement on the cross. Understand, this is the mindset of Christ as he is walking in the ministry. So as we get ready to wrap up here, look at verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, lepers were secluded. They were not allowed to be in the general public because they were considered not only physically unclean, but religiously unclean. So they are, what is this guy like, Jesus, you're not really going to talk to a leper, are you? You're going to make yourself religiously unclean. 41. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. Cardinal rule number one. You do not touch a leper. Now you are unclean. Can you imagine the people standing around watching this? Like, what is this man doing? And he said to him, I will. Remember the leper said, if you will, I know you can make me clean. Jesus says, I will. Be clean. Now, Jesus is just speaking. He's just speaking things into authority. Right? I mean, he's just, by his authority, be clean. Come out of him. Why? Because he's the king. He has all authority. Look what happens. 42, and immediately... Catch that? Immediately. Unlike some of our faith healers, where they lay hands on you and say, now you just got to keep trusting God for it. No, I came in here with two broken legs. How come I can't walk now? Don't get me started on that. Immediately when Jesus healed, they were healed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. Why did Jesus say that? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? More people are going to want to come and take Jesus' time, not because I'm repenting and I realize I need a Savior. Please heal me. So Jesus says, please don't tell anyone. Except, go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. You see, a leper could not be declared clean unless the priests declared the leper clean. And if you go back and read it in Leviticus, it's all these rules about the skin, the color, whether there's a rash, all of this stuff. The priests were the ones in the Old Testament appointed by God to determine whether someone could be called clean or unclean. Notice what you see here. Jesus is doing what? Remember he said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came and fulfilled it. But guess what? I'm going to make you clean. Now go follow the Old Testament regulation and go get the approval of the priest. Why? If they didn't do that, 
this leper would never be accepted back into general population. So this is something that culturally, like, he got to do this. If he's ever going to be able to get a job again and be accepted again. So Jesus says, go show yourself. Look at verse 45. I love it when people listen to Jesus. But he went out and began to talk freely about it. Exactly what Jesus told him not to do. And to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. His fame. They wanted him for his healing. Look what happened. But even in the desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Wow. This is why Jesus said, don't say anything. Jesus knew as he is teaching that he is the Lamb of God. It's going to take time for people to hear this message and understand this message. But yet, even in teaching it along the way, because he was a man of compassion, he would take time to heal people. Think about that. He didn't have to heal anybody. But he would take time to heal them. And he used that healing, I believe, oftentimes out of pure compassion. Because he sees the effect of sin and depravity of the human race and his heart grieves and would heal them. Then oftentimes he would use that as evidence that I am who I say I am. But don't lose sight that his primary focus was to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, the good news, that there is forgiveness, there is healing for your sin condition because your body is going to die at one point, you're going to stand and give an account to God for your spiritual sickness. That's what I've come to preach about. I'm laying my life down for you in your place that you might receive healing, forgiveness of sins. You see, that's the mission that he was on that took him to the cross. The resurrection comes, and then the disciples begin to proclaim that message. That's what they mean when they talk about Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So folks, if we say we love God, we say we know God, then we ought to be proclaiming the same message. Don't proclaim a message that if you add God to your life, your life will get better. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that all of us have a sin problem. And we're going to give an account for it. Why? Because God's holy. Proclaim the good news that you don't have to pay for your sin. If you take the payment, you trust in what Christ has already done. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love for us. God, I pray that our lives would proclaim Christ. Father, I pray that you would help us to see where we're going off track. Help us to represent Jesus Christ well in our own lives. And Father, remind us each day of the grace that you have shown by sending your Son to die in our place. May that invoke a love for you. May that invoke just an attitude of service. Father, to be your true disciple, to be your servant. As Paul said, for him to live is Christ, and to die it's his gain. So God, work these truths in our lives and help us to align our lives with your word. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, by God's grace, uh, we'll hopefully be in our building next week the 12th that's the plan so if for some reason that's not going to happen 
we'll just we'll put a note on Facebook. Either way, we'll put a note on Facebook saying we'll be meeting in the building or we uh, will not. But uh, so be praying that that still is going to be a go. And uh, by God's grace, uh, perhaps we'll see some of you there. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to the AFC Podcast. I hope and pray today's word has challenged you to align your thinking with God's word. If you would like to come visit us for one of our services, we would love to have you. We are located at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We are in what is called the Daybreak Room, which is housed in the Dubs Community Center. 457 West Allen Street, Allentown, PA. Our services start at 1 p.m. So if you're looking for a church that sticks to the word of God, come on out and join us. We'd love to see you. Till next time, God bless.